Down here, it's usually Lamar Jackson time on some sort of a quarterback keeper. He gives it to Le'Veon Bell, and Le'Veon Bell going to walk into the end zone from two yards out. It's Le'Veon Bell for the lead! Welcome back to the UK Ravens podcast. My name is Gaz Pulp, and I am once again joined by my friends who I met on the internet. Ben Mortimer, Ian Domain, and Shane Richmond. And it is a very sad day on the podcast. Unfortunately, James can't be with us. He's currently travelling to the US for the upcoming Bears game. How are you, Ian? I'm good, Gaz. Uh, This is very (laughs) unexpected, and... You've turned this around very quickly. <laughs> Peek behind the curtain. That bell was released about half an hour ago. You've, you've, this is impressive work. I mean, luckily, to put a Lev Bell highlight reel together didn't take too much time. <laughs> it was just the two touchdown plays that I could find. How are you, Shane? Yeah, good. Um, a lot sadder now than a couple of minutes ago for some reason. But yeah, good. And Ben, how's the fantasy teams doing? Just waiting for the music to end. The what was it's ended now. What it's was ended. that one called? Was that sort of sadness part four or something? Uh, no, that was called heartbreak. Okay. Oh, well, it, it fitted well. Um, fantasy teams zero and four. So I should have tried to sneak in there while uh, the sad music was still playing. <laughs> Sorry, I lost to Ian as well, which I forgot to mention. Which he's sitting there looking very smug and, and being very gentlemanly and not but wasn't going to mention bringing it, it up. But but you did. He, he absolutely stuffed me. So I'm now only what am I eight and two in that league now? disappointing right we will come back to the news of levy and bell's release after we very very quickly talk about the 22 to 10 loss versus miami at hard rock stadium what what do what do we think guys this was pretty grim for the onset i'll be honest and very open up front with the listeners i haven't watched the second half of this game i stayed up with ian to not with ian but along <laughs> separately with night, Ian trust me <laughs> separately with Ian um, on Twitter through the first half it got to the second half and I was like I cannot watch any more of this football game I am going to bed and then when I woke up the next morning I decided you know what I'm probably just not going to watch this second half back I will read to see what CBS Sports has to say about it how was the mood on Twitter through the night Ian? Uh, it started off okay and as you can imagine it got progressively worse and worse and worse and uh and then it stayed worse for about a week or so i've i'm usually very active on twitter i i'd like to check twitter a lot and i've 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 taken a bit of a break the last couple of days because i just needed to get away from it so refresh now ready to go on to a new week ben did you manage to watch the game in the morning without checking the score at halftime yeah i i don't I, I do not check the score, so but I, I will fast forward through entire drives. So that's what I ended up doing. It got to the third quarter, and I thought this isn't really improving. And a couple of horrendous things happened. I thought I don't want to watch this drive by the Dolphins because they seem to be unstoppable. So and that turned out to be the case as the score quickly changed at the bottom of the screen. And basically, I forwarded through most of the second half. So like you, Gaz, I've uh, not really seen it either. So um, yeah, I just I've just can only go on um, the the uh, reports afterwards. And I came back and looked at a couple of bad plays, but um, 
yeah, I, I, I went to the end and, um, and and then went to work and forgot about it. Without James here and with half of us only watching one half of the game, this is going to go down as the worst UK Rivers podcast we've ever done. All the best. <laughs> I mean, do, do we really want to reflect on, on, on half in detail? Shay, did you watch the whole game at least? I did, although I, once it became apparent what was going on, I switched to Game in 40. Um, and even the Game in 40 producers couldn't be bothered to subject us to the whole thing. So if you watch the Game in 40, you don't see the whole of the fumble recovery for a touchdown. They show uh, Watkins fumbling the ball. They show the Dolphins guy picking it up and running. And once he goes past the line of scrimmage, they just cut to the extra point. They're like, yep, that's that's touchdown there. And I, I was looking at it going wait, what just happened there? And I went back because I thought maybe I'd, you know, momentarily fallen asleep or had a stroke or something. But no, I looked back at the screen. No, they just didn't. They just cut that play. Can't be bothered. I must be the absolute sucker then because I stayed up all night and watched it. I've watched the game in 40 back. No, you and, haven't. And and I've sat through the All-22. So No, well, you I, haven't. I, I wanted to see if it... I knew James wasn't going to be on and I wanted to see if it was as bad as I thought it was. And is it? Kind of. (laughs) (laughs) The advantage of it being a Thursday game is I've gone back and watched quite a lot of it again as well because you do have especially no game on on the Sunday to to get ready for. So I've watched um, most of the third downs again. But, uh, yeah, it's it's, it's pretty grim. You guys are a glutton for punishment. It's one of those bury the ball games. I just saw the score on Friday (laughs) morning and thought, well, on, on to the Bears. We've talked before about how I I listen to all the podcasts and I watch everything. If the Ravens lose, I don't, and 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 I'll bring it up now. That's shown in our listening figures as well. If the Ravens <laughs> win, our figures are, are pretty good. When they lose, you you did a great podcast last week with Nat Coombs, great guest. I thought that one would fly. The Ravens lose, and it's it's not doing so great oh, compared no. to the others. And. And that was a bit like me. So, yeah, if the Ravens lose, I, I don't want anything to do with, with listening to around the NFL or, or any of that. So yeah. I had a bit of time on my hands. I think I think the only saving grace is the whole AFC North is completely broken and actually we're not anywhere as bad as what it could have been. So the first half, neither team scored a touchdown. In the second half, Miami's defense really put on the pressure and shut the Ravens out in the third quarter, punting on all three of their possessions while the Dolphins hung on to a three-point lead. The offense added a field goal to be in the fourth quarter. Jackson completed an eight-yard pass receiver, Sammy Watkins, on the ensuing possession when he hauled in the pass and fumbled it, which then was returned for a Miami touchdown. We almost had a big man Miami touchdown in the fourth quarter, which would have been awesome if it had stood, even within a loss. And yeah, it ended up in a 22-10 to 10 Ravens loss. So let's have a look at the good. Rashad Bateman leads Ravens receivers with six catches at 80 yards. Ben, alongside Sammy Watkins' performance, Rashad Bateman earned himself a bigger role in this offense. Yeah, he's one of the um, the bright spots, certainly, and one of the positives over the last few games, despite the uh, up-and-down performance of the Ravens and the offense. Um, he's continuing to show his ability to, uh, uh, to, to make tough contested catches, get himself open, get tough yards, get first downs. He did that. Um, on on the, at the beginning of the game when we had those two drives that really looked um, promising and and didn't really feel at that point that there was anything to be too concerned about. It's like ah, you know we've got you know three we should have had seven on the first drive and then oh Tucker's missed a field goal 
from inside 50. That's not good in Miami. And uh, and I just felt like it might go a bit wrong from there. But but Rashad, um, yeah, he's uh, he, he, he's um, you know gone from strength to strength since starting a few weeks ago, and um, really going forward looks to be um, take some of that pressure off. Uh, Mark Andrews, as far as um, sort of getting those looks um, in the middle of the field and finding those uh, those those uh, gaps in coverage in in the zone and things like that. So um, yeah, really really happy with uh, with Bateman, um, but uh, uh, yeah, the rest of it was um, well. We know what the rest of it was. <laughs> Silver lining Bateman, as we've started mm-hmm. calling him on Twitter now. He's, Silver lining Bateman. He's, he, he was good in this game, um, one of the few. I feel a little bit sorry for Sammy Watkins, who had a god-awful game. He, he was bad, but he wasn't alone in that. Um, but it was his first game back from injury, and I've seen a lot of people sort of ragging on him, saying what a terrible season he's had. And it's just it's just not true. He, he was good until he got injured, but... Bateman should be ahead of him now. Bateman is the two in this this offense, and and Watkins has to slide slide down to a three. Well, two things on Watkins. I mean, firstly, there's, there was that that throw and that, uh, or not even drop because he apparently didn't even see it. But I mean, what did we make of, of that? I mean, it, it looked to be, if you had seen it, it certainly looked to be uh, catchable in the bread basket, even if you kind of uh, you know kept your toes in extended your arms and, and made the play, but looks like he just didn't see it at all, does it? It it just looked weird, didn't it? On first on first go I thought it was it was an overthrow from Lamar and then watching it back you sort of realised how close it was. And all I can think is that maybe he thought he was going to run into the goalpost or the the end zone seemed very close to the wall in Miami. Maybe he thought he was gonna, you know, go go hurtling into a wall, but it, it definitely looked catchable. I think it was that he because and maybe because of how close that wall is, he thought he was deeper in the end zone than he was. That's the only thing I can think because I don't think, I you know, I think he would have gone for the ball if if he'd realised it was catchable and he was he was still in the end zone. I thought he he just sort of lost his place on the field because he seemed to keep track of the ball pretty well. He was tracking the ball, um, and then he just sort of looked down and let it go. So yeah, it was very weird. But that's going to be. Um, on uh, Sammy Watkins' tombstone, isn't it? He was good until he got injured. Yeah. There was a, an epitaph. I think that, I, I say, Silver Lion and Bateman, I think if he moves into that number two receiver, Marquise Brown, he's playing really well this season, Bateman in that number two, and actually just rolling Sammy Watkins out as the number three should should feel okay, plus then throwing your likes of Duvernay in there. We, we should be okay there. And another good note, Justin Houston eventually gets his 100th sack. Shane, it's felt like it's been coming for four weeks. <laughs> it's been a long, long wait, hasn't it? And for a defensive front that we thought was going to get more sacks than they've had, um, certainly I think it's it's surprising that it took this long. But uh, yes, finally. So maybe now that he's got to that landmark maybe now they'll start to he'll start to pick up more of them houston's been really close if you go and look at these people on twitter that do the sort of win rates and and all that houston's really high up in in terms of win rate he just hasn't quite got home a couple of times um one one thing he came out and said before he got the hundred sack that he wanted to get the jersey of whichever quarterback it was that that he managed to get the hundred sack i'm not sure he's going to be hanging up a jacoby Brissett jersey (laughs) Um, we've got on the show sheet, no season injuries this week. And I guess tying in with the defensive line, we haven't had any season ending injuries this week, which is a good point. But we will talk about in the news, Derek, we have lost Derek Wolf 
for the season, but on the same hand, we never really had him. So let's fall deeper into this pit of misery. I'm not sure if you can hear it in my voice. I've got a really good friend who's a Miami Dolphins fan. Shout out to Brad. Um, I've had a really good couple of years of beating them. 38 zip, 50 odd. Yeah, so it's been a bit of a tough week. Ben, I think you sort of called me out last yeah, week. Yeah, I did for reading out the scores and that. And that's what did it again, isn't it? And I'm glad you, you know, you're not going to do that for the for the Bears guy. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe this is somewhat on me. Struggles versus the zero blitz. It seemed like the Miami Dolphins were running it all night, and Greg Roman, Lamar, John Harbaugh, no one seemed to have an answer for it, did they? No, so it was a, a record-setting amount of blitzing by defensive backs, apparently. Um, so the people who track these things said the next day on Twitter, and certainly they they played zero blitz at a historic level um and we've talked about it a few times because the ravens run it so much but for anyone who's not um not remembered from previous podcasts basically a zero blitz is when there's no safety cover so you typically describe a defense as by how many safeties are deep uh providing a deep zone in case something goes wrong so cover one cover two cover three cover four uh, and cover zero means there's nobody back there. Everybody's in man. Somebody beats their man, you're toast. But the advantage is you're bringing more guys than the offensive line could block. So social media, I mean, Ian's already um, said it got pretty ugly. And there was a, a strong sense that uh, it was Greg Roman's fault as offensive coordinator. When I finished the game, I thought, oh, the offensive lines had a terrible one. That was just a nightmare for the offensive line. Um but actually having gone back and watched, especially some of those third down pressures over the last couple of days, I certainly don't think it was Greg Roman's fault. I think he was calling the kind of plays you would expect to work against zero blitz, where typically you want to get the ball out quick. That's your main priority. Get the ball out of there quick. Go to the sidelines if you can. Stretch the field because your opponent has put eight of their players along the line right in front of you. So there's fewer people out on the edges. Um, he was calling those kinds of plays, but it was the execution by the players and it wasn't execution by the offensive line. I mean, the tackles, neither of them had a great day, but Tyree Phillips isn't really a tackle. Um, Villanueva was okay, but he gave up some pressures. The inside of the offensive line was actually pretty good given what they were up against. Um, but Miami were just really good at scheming free runners coming in, which is why you run a zero blitz. The idea is someone's going to get a free run at the quarterback and he's got to get the ball out of there quickly. And there were any number of people who were messing up their assignments. Lamar was playing too slow. There was a delay of game on at one point, and then they almost got a delay of game on the following play because they were so slow getting up to the line. When the ball was snapped, you often saw Lamar taking a three-step drop from a shotgun. So, you know, he's already a few steps removed from the blitz, and he's going back even further and still not releasing the ball. He was holding on to the ball a lot when he could have been hitting receivers a bit quicker. Um, there were instances with the screen passes to Marquise Brown, which... They ran a lot, and I think it was Lamar checking into those. I don't think um, Greg Roman was calling them play after play after play because he's not mad. But I think that um, Lamar was getting up to the line and looking at the defense and going, I'm going to go with the screen again. But very often the receivers ahead of Marquise weren't doing anything to help him get space. Or they would run a play where they could get the ball out quickly. They ran one where... Um, uh, Freeman got into the flat very quickly. Uh, Lamar turned to throw in the ball... He should have had 
two wide receivers in front of him blocking, but he didn't. The wide receivers came on patterns across the field. So they ran across the field trying to take the defenders with them. But in cover zero, defenders don't do that typically. They're staying around about the sticks and they're watching the quarterback. So if the quarterback turns to get rid of the ball quickly and he throws it into the flat to his running back, they are going to follow the ball. They're not going to follow their men. So they had... Freeman all to themselves, basically. And this just happened play after play after play. They called a a speed option at one point. So Lamar running around the end, they leave a linebacker unblocked. And the idea is whichever guy, whether Lamar, uh, the linebacker takes Lamar or he takes the running back, whichever one he goes for, the other one will get the ball and he'll be wrong. If you go back and watch that speed option play, Freeman does a weird sort of half move towards Lamar before he starts running, which means that when they start running the option, he's not far away from Lamar and the linebacker can cover both of them. So it was it was execution problems the whole way through, but it wasn't a particular person failing to execute. It was just most of them. Most of the players at some point messed up something that should have beaten that blitz. Play after play after play. Shane, if you think I'm going to go watch go back and watch any of the plays from that game you are sadly mistaken <laughs> this is it though i've got i've got a screen up here and it's it's full of everything shane's just said and i've i've had twitter for a week and people telling me you've got to fire greg roman greg roman's got to go and i i don't think greg roman called the best game he's ever called in fact he, he called a, a pretty average game but if we're firing people that had an average game, then Sammy Watkins is gone. Lamar's gone. In fact, if your name's not Bateman, uh, Mark Andrews or Freeman, you, you're all down the job centre tomorrow because no one came out of it with with, with any credit. Yeah, unless, and I don't want to seem like a Greg Roman apologist. I mean, one example of Roman, well, again, I can't pin it all on him. So there's another third down play. Um, again, the cover zero blitz. They drop back and the the Ravens have kept in max protect. So they've kept in everybody apart from the receivers to add extra blocking um, against the the blitzing players. Um, And Lamar is looking downfield and waiting for his receivers to run their routes. And they're running routes that are like 12 yards downfield. So by the time they've finished and turned to look for the ball, Lamar's already been sacked. There's absolutely no way you can run that play against cover zero and expect anything to happen other than an incomplete pass or a sack. But even then, you have to say, stepping up to the line, looking at that defense and knowing what the play is, Lamar has got to go to something else, even if it's the screen to Marquise Brown, because he's got to come up to the line and know there's no way this ball is going anywhere, because he knows that they won't have run their routes by the time the the blitz gets to him. So even then, it wasn't the, the best play call in third down from Greg Roman, but ultimately he's sending a play in before he sees the defense. So you've got to rely on the quarterback to make some decisions too. As you mentioned, a lot of those plays is Lamar checking into them. You go go back and watch it. You, you can't see it in real time. It's really hard. So, so people do get on Roman for the call. But Lamar walks up to the line, sees all these, these people coming, thinks I've got to get this ball out, checks into a, a wide receiver screen, which two or three of them worked very well. It's not like everyone they ran was was a horrible play. They ran two or three and they worked really well. The ones that didn't, you've got Rashad Bateman out in front trying to block three DBs. He, he can't block three people. It's the play call. They've broke the huddle late. They've then tried to check. There's one or two seconds on the clock. They're not set. It's, it, the play's dead from the start. There's there's no good. And this this whole Twitter thing, I'm, I'm going to defend Greg, Greg Roman because I have. And I'm going I'm to stay on it. Like 
this whole Twitter thing about he doesn't call good games. Um, it, you know, L- Lamar's carrying him. Yes, Lamar is a, is a phenomenal talent. I love Lamar Jackson. He makes people around him better. He probably adds five or ten percent extra points onto onto the Ravens a game. He, he just does. He's he's that good. But this notion that Greg Roman's holding him back and calling terrible games, I just don't understand where it's coming from. There's go, go and find it. There's a there's a tweet out there. I won't mention who sent it, but there's a tweet out there. Uh, and but if you search says, for it, you will find it, and you will be able to. <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll find this one. Um, the guy says, "Why aren't we using Duvernay on on running plays, on screen, on sort of jet, uh, on on this type of play?" Sorry, and and he he's attached the video from the Bengals game. Do you remember where Duvernay comes across the formation, takes the takes the pitch, takes it around the left end for for a big gain. In this game, the Miami game, the second play of the game, Greg Roman called that play. And this tweet's out there. It's got hundreds of thousands of likes. People saying, well, why aren't we running this play? We ran this play twice in this game. <laughs> this, this is, I, it's, Greg Roman didn't call a good game, but a lot of this is on... Is, we're going to talk about the defence. Wink. No one's calling for Wink Martindale to get fired because everyone says it's, it's the players who are miscommunicating giving up big plays, which I agree with. And an awful lot of that is on the offense as well. You mentioned that lack of pace on the offense. And um, it's been a problem all season. And they're not getting out of the huddle quickly. They're not getting they're not getting the ball snapped quickly enough. And it it really came to to haunt them this in this game because against cover zero, you've got to play fast. And and if you're standing there, there's one play they ran where they put a tight end in motion, and the idea of doing that is Either the the defensive player is going to follow him across, in which case you snap it before he gets there and you've got a free man on one side, or they're going to switch the coverage to the other side and that guy will try and come down to join the blitz, but he won't be able to because you'll snap it fast. Either way, the point is to snap the ball fast and get the play going before the defense reacts to the motion. Lamar let the guy, I think, I assume it was Andrews, get all the way across, set, let the defender come down, walk down from 10 yards, um, 10 yards deep to the defensive line and joined the blitz and made the whole motion it completely irrelevant. And if you're just going to wait for the defense to adjust to the thing you did to try and catch them off, then, you know, obviously it's not going to work. So there's just a lot of, they will have had plenty to work on over the last few days, that's for sure. Well, coming back to your point, Ian, on um, the Roman hate, and I think it's, you know the answer. I mean, you're on Twitter a lot. It's because people get blinded by agendas, and there's also a group think um, within any fan base that has the majority or the leading figures that they follow say, this is who to hate, this is who to love, this guy's untouchable, this guy needs to be run out of town. And it's happened with, you know, it's it's people pick a player and they'll he can do no wrong. And it happened with Flacco and it happened with Lamar and it's happened with, you know, going all the way back with the Ravens and coordinators to Matt Kavanaugh, who used to be blamed for everything under Billick in the 2000s um, with very little talent, I may add. Um, and now Greg Roman's the full guy. And, you know, coaches and coordinators have good games, they have bad games. But I'd agree with all of you that a lot of this wasn't on him. And that does kind of loop back to the Lamarck and do, do no wrong narrative as well which you have to look at a game like this one and other ones in the past to say that there are genuine concerns about Lamar when faced with something he's not expecting either becoming panicked or becoming flustered 
or getting stuck in a kind of one track mentality of just doing the same thing over and over and hoping that there'll be a different outcome, which is the you know, definition of insanity. And it reminded me a bit of, and this is kind of happening, you know, happened in his rookie season in the, in the Chargers playoff game as well, um, where everyone thought he was figured out. Uh, and obviously, as we know, he wasn't. Um, and as we've said in previous shows, when it's been apparently proved that this will work against Lamar, that's the end of him, we'll normally find a way out of it, as will Lamar. But I think in this game, he was off and there was something up and he was maybe not um, not just Lamar, but a lot of the players were not maybe mentally prepared for this. They were on a short week. Um, they maybe thought that the Dolphins would be an easier proposition than they were. And I think those first two drives that I spoke about um, lent credence to that until the Dolphins tightened up and started doing some different things and and then a little panic set, uh, set in. So um, I think we need to keep it in context to hopefully a bad night by far too many people. But I think it does also show that even though Lamar can be worth five to ten points a game, he could potentially cost you in a night like that five points a game by some really bad decision-making where you know a good old boring pocket passer may have maybe put put a few more points on the board. I'm not saying I want that, but you have to um, dish out criticism when it's due. And I think that that's, um, that's certainly the case for, for Lamar, who, as we've said, he's single-handedly won his games this year. But um, he was he was way off on Thursday. It's a, it's a shame James isn't here. I spoke to him very briefly earlier. I just wanted to check on a few things. And, and he was talking about the Miami defence. And he said it's been, it's been pretty good all year, but, but they've, they've given up mistakes. This is how they play. They blitz a lot, but they've given up mistakes. And they just didn't make any against, against the Ravens. He also noticed that they did something slightly different where they weren't, it wasn't always just a cover zero with no safety help. They, they were showing that blitz, but then he, he was talking about and he'd explain this far better than I would but they were playing cover three behind it um so that's why there were so many throws out to the flats and and they were attacking it and it, and it just was poor execution yeah I think I mean I don't want to make apologies for the team but as Ben said maybe we overlooked the Dolphins a little bit it was a, a pretty heart racing overtime victory on Sunday night to then have to travel down to South Florida and get yourself geared up and ready for a Thursday night it doesn't give as much time to prep and really get in and start preparing for that team again they're a professional nfl team you would expect that a team can turn around from late sunday to thursday but these again i know we've said this already this season these games do happen ben you you sort of touched on it on when you were speaking but is this just a a one week blip or do you think this is a sign of a a team that might struggle down the road it really could go either way. Not want to sit on the fence, but it yeah. really could. It's kind of that point the Shea made last week about you know, however it was, two or nine wins or whatever it was for the second half of the season. And um, uh, yes, in uh, the Ravens historically, anyway, have always had, and I think all teams have. We just don't pay as much attention to them. Uh, lay absolute eggs every now and then, and, and I can certainly think back to you know the Ravens losing to the 1-15 and Dolphins a few years ago. It was the only win. We've yeah. we've lost repeatedly to Jacksonville on Monday night games because we just, you know, even though they're terrible teams that we were playing at the time. Um, the Browns, you know, we used to always go and, and lose at the Browns as a tradition, uh, even though they were finished, you know, 5-11. and 11. So uh, in, in isolation, um, yes, that could be a bad uh, 
performance and, and obviously we've seen other ones over the weekend um, with, with teams that you would expect to win. You know, the Rams last night, I'd, I'd have expected to not get blown out by 21 points by uh, by the 49ers. The Bucks. Um, yeah. What? Oh, the Bucks. Yeah, the Bucks exactly. Bucks. I wouldn't. I, mean, I really wouldn't. Yeah. Even though they're not great, I wouldn't have really expected the Steelers to tie it home with the uh, with the Lions. Uh, but um, <laughs> Jags beat the Bills. There's, there's yeah, it's, it's the nuts, isn't it? So, um, so I think on, on isolation that that could be the case. The the thing that worries me, not just about uh, the game that's just come, but but also the the games that have preceded it. Um, is our general lack of depth and our how worn down we are. I mean, we are missing key, key components um, that would be otherwise starting, some of which are pro bowlers, um, that we're missing on, certainly on both lines um, that are suffering. And the defensive line hasn't been settled and it's not going to be settled and it's nowhere near where you'd want it to be as far as both run and pass protection. Um, our lack of run game was brutally exposed um, the other night and obviously um, having Latavius Murray back will help but let's face it he's not Dobbins or Gus um, and and on on uh, d- on the defense as well you know we are short-handed I think Deshaun Elliott's uh, loss is really really big um, just for marshalling the back of that defense I think Chuck Clark um, had a bad night as well and um, all of these little things that we've been kind of papering over um, and doing a really, really good job of papering over um, are kind of coming back to bite us. So uh, I do worry that our um, that those injuries will, will, at the end of the day, um, really count against us and, and lead to some losses. And, and I think we have to... Yeah, uh, we have to accept who we are at this point, which is a, a sort of understrength team that are battling really well every week. And as long as they keep doing that, I'll be in a chance and, uh, with a victory. But And also as long as, you know, Lamar, I hate to put the pressure back on him, but can um, can bounce back from this performance as well. Um, but it's, uh, I am worried. I'm, I'm a lot more worried now than I was even a week ago. I don't want to spend too long on this game. We've got an interview with Bellissimo coming up to look forward to the Bears game, but we I hate leaving these on a low note. Ian, the defence could have won this game. They they held Miami to nine points. They could have won it if we could have a few plays. Like I say, you take the Sammy Watkins fumble. There was a a Mark Andrews catch, non-catch, which could have swung the game. The defence could have won it for us, couldn't they? They could have, and and they played pretty well. Like they they they've got this horrible habit of giving up season long plays to teams they did it to Miami 50 50 odd yards whatever it was it was two two big plays in this one uh the first one it's Averett just lets his his man run straight past him because he thinks he's got safety help over the top Chuck Clark's bailing out and he and he bails into center field rather than rather than over the top of Averett uh and on the second one the guy comes in motion I think it's Wilson again um and just no one runs with him uh, queen or stevens i guess was probably meant to go with him westry maybe it's hard to tell i mean we've said this before unless you know the call it's hard to pick up but yeah. i tend to look at those plays for like look who's got nothing to do yeah <laughs> and chris westry has nothing to do when that guy is gone and you think yeah maybe you should have gone with him chris they they're the the two big plays and and the defense played pretty well they they had four sacks, uh, they had 13 QB hits. They, 
the, the problem with this defense is, and we've been spoiled with Ed Reed and with Marcus Peters, we, we don't turn the ball over. And the Ravens at the minute are 27th in turnover differential. And Patrick Queen at the end of the game comes roaring off the edge, sacks the quarterback, ball comes loose, and he's getting stick for not diving on top of it, but he tries to scoop it up. And, and if he had of, he'd have been in the end zone. It's tiny little fit margins, you know. Maybe he should have dived on top of the ball, but... That's how close it is. We've been on both sides of these tiny little margins, and I think the defense had seen what I think in that moment is Patrick. The the, the floodlights are fat, shining. Looking at Patrick Queen, he's thinking the offense have done nothing all night. I need to get this ball in the end zone. And as you say, it's if it had just slight roll of the ball in another direction and we're in the end zone, and we might be talking about this game as a win. Pa- Patrick Queen's been really good. Just very very quickly for the last two weeks they've they've taken a lot of responsibility off him he doesn't really play on third downs or in the red zone anymore um they've given him a limited role and he's excelling in it and hopefully they can add more and more and more to his game okay let's get into the news then before we are joined by bullismo and yes i did spend five minutes editing this before the show so we are hearing it one more time down here it's usually lamar jackson time on some sort of a quarterback keeper he gives it to Le'Veon Bell, and Le'Veon Bell going to walk into the end zone from two yards out. It's Le'Veon Bell for the lead! So yes, Twitter went crazy, WhatsApp group went crazy, everyone tagging me saying, can everyone check on Gaz Paul? I am okay. I was just busy making that silly jingle. Le'Veon Bell released by the Ravens. He now hits waivers. Ben, this looks like a sign that Latavius Murray is returning to the team, and that is probably actually good for the run game overall, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, it's really, um, we need something, and Murray was looking um, solid, if not spectacular, prior to his injury, and at least it gives him uh, gives us something uh, a little more effective up the middle, a bit more power and uh, ability to gain sort of three or four yards on a first down that we've been lacking uh, the last few weeks. I mean, Le'Veon, bless him, he did try, and he was very um, kind of emotional and, and thankful to. Uh, Harbour and, and Steve Pichotti on his way out of the door uh, on Twitter thanking him for the opportunity but um, let's face it he's he's he's, he's past it and it seems he's, to he's really like Baltimore he dances. doesn't it? He, well it everyone loves like, everyone likes Baltimore I mean he, he doesn't like it he doesn't like Baltimore apart from um, Bernard Pollard uh, <laughs> so, um, so no, most most players are converted, and I think they they they, they treat them like men, and they respect them, and they, he gave, they gave him every chance to to come back and um, you know prove himself, and uh, you know I think he he, he gave um, what he could, but he's 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 old and and he's not, and and certainly the way this team are currently built, um, he's he's not in the position to really do what we needed him to do uh so i think at the moment what we're looking at now um which realistically is uh, is, is murray and freeman and freeman you know who's who's has shown um, flashes as well and i've been pretty impressed with Devontae freeman the last uh, few weeks um so i think it's, it's not a bad one too and um and obviously tyson you know keeps getting mentioned but 
from some of the comments from Harbour this week. I don't think he's, uh, he's. I think he's still in the doghouse as far as uh, you know. Harbour was saying, "Well, I expect a running back to do this, 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 and this." But I'm not talking about Tyson Williams. But I'm talking about Tyson Williams. <laughs> so um, I think those two are going to be the guys, and Tyson might may get a few a uh, few reps. But um, that's what we're looking at. I'm I'm happy that we've got Murray um, back because I think it does uh, certainly add um, something that's much needed to our running game. Got a couple of silver linings from this then. Firstly, there will be a round of beers in a very expensive London bar, no doubt, especially for a northern boy like myself, paid for by me to you three gentlemen and James. Another silver lining, Ian saves a little bit of money on a number 17 Le'Veon Bell jersey. But I'm not I'm not really understanding why everyone else gets the drinks when I was the one fronting up the <laughs> Surely oh, it's the round of drinks for me. Ben, Shane, sorry, I was really trying to be polite to you, but unfortunately <laughs> I'm going to have to strip your drinks away from you and just buy Ian a drink. So I'm, I'm sorry. I can, I can live with that. <laughs> Another silver lining is Le'Veon Bell is probably going to free up roster space, Ian, because it looks like Tavon Young and Nick Boyle might be coming back ahead of this game. Yeah, t- Tavon left. This, the Miami game did he with with an injury? Um, it sounds sounds pretty positive that that he'll come back and and be okay for the Bears game. Um, we have heard that before, and then um, and then they've been out. I, he, he's a big one because if he doesn't play, you're then looking at potentially moving Marlon into the slot and playing Westry and, and Aver outside. J- Jimmy Smith has got no run in the last two games. I'm not sure what's going on there. Um, I guess the other option would be to play uh, a Darius Washington in the slot, which he's listed as safety, but he played an awful lot of slot in the, in the preseason. So that would give you a chance to leave, leave Marlon outside. But fingers crossed that Tavon's fit because he's, he's been pretty good this year. Oh, yeah, I've just realised... Taven Young and Nick Boyle actually are both on the active roster, so they're not bringing up anyone I are. So what are they doing getting rid of Le'Veon Bell? Well, there's talk of um, Nate McCrory, who's on the... the, I was going to say he's on the plastic squad. (laughs) He's on the... Maybe. I mean, what he does in his own time is his business. Uh, He's on the practice squad. um, And... I mean, he's he's well known for his pace. That's the main thing that, that people think he could add to the offense if they just, just decide to elevate him. Um, given uh, Harbour's remarks about Tyson Williams this week, he didn't sound massively enthusiastic. I mean, he went on a sort of general rant about things you can do to give yourself more time in the team as a running back and landed on how about playing special teams. He wasn't specifically addressing Tyson, but he was all heavily leaning in that direction. So it may well be that it's a case of of moving Bell on and bringing McCrory up uh, unless they unless they have somebody they want to bring in in a different position. I, I don't know that Tyson plays special teams. I haven't gone and looked, but but he's he definitely played five snaps um, on yeah. Thursday. So McCrory's definitely got the speed, but I, I, this is purely speculation, but Trey Boston's a guy that's out there, a safety, who's just sort of come back and said he's fit and, and wants to play again. I don't know whether he's someone that the Ravens might be sniffing around. Somebody with experience too, which might help, because my I think I don't feel like Chuck Clark played badly um, on Thursday, but as the guy with the green dot who's supposed to be communicating to everybody else, 
there are a lot of occasions where those defensive backs don't seem to know what they're all doing. And that's a that's somewhere where maybe having a veteran who's in the middle of the field rather than like Marlon out on one side, a veteran might be able to make sure everyone knows what they're going to do before the play. We've touched that already, but Derek Wolfe won't be returning to the Baltimore Ravens this season. He's one of James's favourite guys. I think we're all really excited about what he could do to the defensive line and especially away man. I haven't got my media board ready and it's muted, so let's go back to that. Um, what it could do for away man down the line and just to help solidify that defensive line. We're, we're going to miss him out with Shane, but probably not as much as if we'd have had him at all. Yeah, I suppose that's that's the thing, isn't it? That they've they've been functioning all season, or they've been working all season without him. So they've had to to learn to to live without him. But um, this is one of you know James's favourite subjects about how much he adds in his ability to to consume blockers and free up space for everybody else. And I'm sure they would have loved the prospect of having those pass rushes with Wolf eating up some of the attention to to free them up. But um, yeah, we're going to have to go on as we've had, as we have been so far. This is bad. Oh, yeah, man. Bad news <laughs> for Calais Campbell, who's played an absolute ton of snaps and, and has been playing really well. Um, but the hope was that you could, you could sort of ease off his workload a lot because he's what, 35 years old now. Um, and, He's still playing at an incredibly high level, but he's playing far too many snaps. Again, let's end the news section on a little bit of high, Ben. The rest of the AFC North, also rubbish. So maybe it's not too much of a big deal that we lost on Thursday night. Yeah, that is a, 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 an unexpected silver lining from a couple of those results. I mean, I did not expect the Steelers to, to tie at home with the Lions. I didn't expect the Browns to get blown out. In, in Boston, maybe I should have done. Um, but, um, you know, they were looking really good the previous week against the Bengals and then um, sort of reverted to type um, in, in New England. So, um, and not only, you know, losing, but losing badly. Um, and obviously with the Bengals, I think they were on by this this past week, weren't they? So, um, yes. but, but having lost badly to the Browns the previous week, it, it is all up for grabs. And, um uh, so, so that is the silver lining. I think uh, this division is still eminently winnable for the Ravens, um, and we're entering that stretch now where we're going to find out who's going to be separated on that because you know we've got the Browns coming up in, in a week and a half. Um, well, we finish the season against Pittsburgh, so that could be a, a key matchup for the division depending on how things swing around. Um, and when would have said two weeks ago, the AFC North potentially one of the strongest divisions in the NFL, one weekend kind of flips things on their head. And you're thinking, God, are we all rubbish, really? I don't know. Uh, I think it's somewhere in between. And it is very much a um, an unsettled season as far as, uh, I think, you know, at the moment you've got the Chiefs that are kind of swinging back in the AFC as far as suddenly looking like they're clicking. And our friends that we spoke to a few weeks ago are getting a bit more cocky. And... <laughs> More cocky. And more cocky. Um, but yeah, as far as our division goes, I, I still think we've got a really good chance of, of claiming that and at least getting one you know, one home playoff game in wildcard weekend. What was nice to see after the Steelers tie as well is that it's an NFL tradition that after a tie, at least one player has to say to the press, I didn't know there were ties in the NFL. Uh, and, and one of the Steelers players did do that. So it's good to see that. There should be an award for that, like there is for being the last person in the draft. I think it was two of them, wasn't it? It was, it was I think, Nash, I think, Harris. I think, MC, and, and, I think MCDC, I think Dan Campbell were like, yeah. oh, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever been <laughs> in a tie before. <laughs> it's remarkable, isn't it? 
just going back to Ben's point, I had a quick look around the league just to see how close things were today um, all around the NFL. And the AFC is weird. You've got the Titans are on a six-game win streak, the Patriots four, and the Chiefs three. So they're the sort of class at the minute of the AFC. In the NFC, it's it's really interesting. There's not not a single team that's on more than a one-game win streak. That's that's how close the whole league is at the wow. minute. So the Patriots, yeah, they're looking like a, a quite a force as well. Which is anyway, we're not getting into Patriots talk now. Can't do it to myself. Sorry, I did try. Right, let's get into this interview with Burlissimo before I mention anything else to do with the Patriots. <laughs> We're now joined by UK Bears fan George. You might know him as Bellissimo on Twitter. He's from the Tape Never Lies Network and he is famously George from England on ESPN in Chicago. Welcome to the show, Bellissimo. Thanks for having me and uh, thanks for the recommendation from uh, Michael, one of you, the people that's a common follow. But um, pleased to be here, um, although... Prior to the game, I'm going to be pleased to be here. Maybe if we were speaking after the game, it wouldn't be so happy. <laughs> well, well, we'll try and be nice. We're not in any state to be taking the mick out of anyone at the moment. So let's jump straight into it. Why the Bears? Why the Bears? Well, I, I was lucky enough to have a nine-year-old, uh, nine years older brother who was playing American football at a semi-pro level um, when I was sort of eight, nine years old. Um, loved the game, loved the hitting because he was a linebacker um, near Birmingham, which is where I lived at the time. And the the sister city of, of Birmingham is actually Chicago. And obviously I was looking around for teams and first down newspaper as it was back then, Channel 4 um, highlight show once a week, which is you know, just emerging with um, uh, Mick Luck, is it, oh, was it Luck, Luckhurst, the, yeah. the, kicker, the former kicker of the folk at Luckhurst, that's it. Mick Luckhurst and um, the Chicago Bears defense was already good, and we had a running back that was uh, that was pretty pretty good at the time, Walter Payton. So I, I, I managed to get on board the year before we got the Super Bowl. So that's I have actually seen the Bears have some success, um, which is you know n- nothing to be sniffed at if you're a Bears fan because last 25, 30 years that's been a rare thing to be able to say. Uh, so yeah, I was absolutely hooked from that point of view uh, in terms of you know watching a team that that played really aggressive and uh, a famously aggressive and nasty defense, and that was right up my street in terms of my personality. Even as a nine year old, going around smashing people, playing rugby, and uh, when I discovered American football, that was it. I was hooked. So for those Ravens fans that aren't following the the NFC quite as closely, um, how, how's the season gone so far for the Bears? What was the the preseason sort of targets, and and have they changed so far? Well, I think the preseason targets for Matt Nagy was for Matt Nagy to retain his job, and uh, at, the, at the moment he's managed to be able to do that because the Chicago Bears ownership group are famously um, not able to make a decision during a season. And um, when they do make a season, they th- say things like, "At the start of this season, we have everything that Super Bowl winning teams have except a quarterback and wins." Obviously, they forgot <laughs> the wins part in, in that message. <laughs> Um, but they did say the quarterback, and we've we've got one of those now. That's for definite. But what we don't have is a, a competent head coach or, or coaching staff, sadly. And we ha- we do have a lot of talent on the roster. So fair play to Ryan Pace for that. But unfortunately, he's enabled so far Matt Nagy in his narcissism uh, that um, <laughs> it's a case of. Uh, 
Matt Nagy is in it for Matt Nagy, not for the for the success of the Chicago Bears. And sadly, that's the reason why a lot of the problems and issues that we see on game day manifest because it's all about his ego rather than doing what is best for the actual players on the field. And you know what a what a good coach and what a good manager does, which is put people in a position to succeed. That's not in the forefront of Nagy's mind. Being the biggest brain in the room is most important to Matt Nagy. That's why he sort of tries to retain play calling and. Everything else he can keep control of. So you're not president of the UK Matt Nagy fan club then? <laughs> no, no, sadly, sadly not. No, because unfortunately, I actually understand what I'm looking at, and uh, I, I know a shoe salesman when I see one, and uh, he's he's definitely that. So, uh, if he's out for himself, how is he not yeah. seeing that it's not working, and you know, finding some other way to get it working? Because surely it would benefit him as well. Well, famously last year, last year he actually gave over play calling in a, after a six-game losing streak to Bill Lazor, and the Bill, Bill Lazor-led offense then got sort of four wins on the bounce, uh, scoring thirty-plus points for the first time in twenty-four years. Uh, that's a bit of a shock to hear that, but you know, the first time four games consecutively we've actually scored thirty-plus points, and um, and that sort of tells you the malaise of the Bears so far, but. At, at that point, when he knew his job was safe and we were playing Green Bay Packers last game of the season, Nagy then took back the play calling and also for the Saints game, and which game, you know, both two games, our offence stuttered to a, a complete dead halt and we managed to put less than 20 points, which is what we've averaged pretty much under Nagy this year um, until, again, he was forced for the sake of trying to retain his job and any form of credibility into handing over play calling to Bill Lazor, which he did for one game, the Lions. And since then, the game planning, as he calls it, uh, inverted commas for those who can't see the webcams, um, the game planning has been led by Nagy and therefore Bill Lazor is still calling plays, but it's from a very tightly controlled play sheet that Matt Nagy hands right, in. Right, I see. Uh, and so, you know, when you're sort of limited to curls and flats and things like that, you your offence will... Be able to produce when people elevate above what is the scheme. And that's what we're seeing from Justin Fields in the last couple of games in the offense as a whole. David Montgomery is a threat every time he touches the ball. Khalil Herbert is a threat every time he touches the ball. Darnell Moon is a threat every time he touches the ball. And Justin Fields is a threat to either pass or run um, pretty much at will if he's got any space at all. Um, but it's not because of scheme. It's despite scheme. He's doing it. He's elevating the team above what the scheme is actually providing there for him in terms of options. It tends to be a lot of broken plays, which then become big plays for the Bears at the moment. Right. Um, now you're known as a, a tape guy. Our tape guy, James, is on his way to Chicago, actually, as, as we speak. So unfortunately, we can't. I think he would have enjoyed this conversation. But tell us a bit about how you got into the tape side of things and, and, and what it is you do now. Well, playing, playing and coaching um, in the UK, tape study is a must and obviously the fact that, you know, supporting a, an American sport from remote distances, uh, what you tend to do is you tend to watch TV copy. And then um, I'm sad enough to be able to do things like go on coaching symposiums over the internet, watch, you know, four hour coaching uh, meetings that are there talking about offensive line and defensive schemes. And um, fortunate enough to have a relationship with Jeff Reinebold in terms of talking with him. Um, on a fairly regular basis, um, talking about the you know, defensive coverages, match coverages, things like that. So it's a case of learning to understand what it is that you're seeing in order to be able to get the most from it, really. Um, any picture is better with context. If you are devoid of context, then you will see a narrative. And narratives are famously uh, inaccurate because 
it's it's based with bias and inaccurate information, not a full picture. So the the whole thing with the tape never lies network, which is what TTNL stands for, is that the tape never lies. So you know, good or bad, credit or criticism, it will be based upon what the people are putting on the field. And when you understand scheme, when you understand leverages, when you understand blocking schemes, root concepts, defensive leverages, uh, defensive combinations of coverages, when you understand that side of the picture, then you really do get a, a, a real full appreciation as to whether someone has actually messed up on the field or whether it's a coaching issue and it really does change the game from sort of watching crash bang wallop into watching a chess match unfold with real life gladiators on a field which is what the, the is brilliant about the sport american football you know for those that want to go and smash people well there's a place for you for those that want to go and sort of take people apart mentally there's a place for you too and if you just happen to be fast or be able to kick a ball there's a place for you too so it really is a sport for for everybody and, and the camaraderie of playing is is second to none really it's it's on a par with rugby certainly in terms of the camaraderie that is there and you know what is Gained on a field is earned in sweat off the field and in terms of mental preparedness off the field. Um, that certainly is a critical part. So as a fan, if you just want to enjoy it at a glance, fair enough, that's great. You know, you're going to, still going to enjoy the sport, but if you really do want to dig into it and sort of pull out the monosha and start looking at tape and learning, well, then it really does become a completely different picture for you. Okay, well, uh, but listen, going back to um, the here and now as far as the Bears in 2021 um i see the records three and six and as you said they seem to have been held back by some um questionable play calling and, and but there does seem to be talent on the roster i mean as, as as ravens fans who should we be worried about this weekend as far as presenting problems to us well without without a doubt from what i've seen from the ravens that their struggles on defense is is bringing a, ball, a player ball carrier down one-on-one -on -one, and david montgomery khalil herbert in the backfield are both a threat to get 20 plus, 80 plus. You know, they're a threat to house the ball every time they touch it. So if they get a crease up front, there is a chance that they're going to gash you. And, and, and running is something that we've actually been a little bit more committed to. But particularly, I noticed that the, the, the schemes, the, the pressure schemes, particularly of the Ravens, seem to be very centre-centric, as in you know, A-gap pressure. A lot of A-gap pressure, a lot of stunts and twists and things like that. If you don't get home with Justin Fields and the, the coverage has been run off, Justin Fields will take you apart with his legs. If if you commit to keeping someone up and staying up, then your coverage downfield is going to be put under pressure one-on-one. -on -one. And with people like Darnell Mooney, Alan Robinson, Cole Komet down the scene, Jimmy Graham um, downfield as well, Justin Fields has shown the ability to be able to put the ball in not just a letterbox, what we call a letterbox throw, but a keyhole throw, as he did with um, Jimmy Graham up the seam this this week. It was an absolute phenomenal throw for those that want to go and have a look at it. But um, he's shown the capability not only as a runner and a passer, but very much, very much a, a kid that can take a broken play and make something special out of it. You're happy at this point, even in his young development, that Justin Fields is your franchise QB. He is the future for the Bears offense. Absolutely, 100% sold. Uh, seeing the development that he's, he's made, not only mechanically, which obviously that's not something which tends to be an off-season thing that, that 
changes. You do that in the off-season in your own time, but he's been able to assimilate the scheme. He's been able to understand coverages and pressures, very, very disguised pressures. The Pittsburgh Steelers scheme is a very um, confusing, not only pressure scheme, but also coverage scheme. They do a lot of rolled and match coverages, um, zone match coverages, which is, it looks like zone, but it actually turns into man. He's been able to diagnose those on the fly, which is what he really struggled with, like you know the Cleveland game, the, the Green Bay, when he got chances to be in those games. He struggled with that side of things. Now he's able to see it and not only see it, but then take the right decisions off the back of it. So his rate of growth, both mechanically and mentally, has been to the point where I've, I've not seen anything like it at the Chicago Bears. Now I'm talking going all the way back to you know Jim McMahon, people like that, Jay Cutler, not a patch on Justin Fields uh, in terms of what we've been able to see from him and, and as a threat and as just an absolute unit as well because the kid's six foot three and you know 230 pounds runs a sub four four forty so uh, just a, purely as an athlete you know he's a real he's a real threat but more than athlete is his mental side his acuity and that's what's really special about him I think is David Montgomery because you mentioned you identified him as a threat. Which and I agree with you certainly based on the last few games that we've certainly got a problem if someone runs off the edge um, at the moment and we've got um, some in- injury problems with getting pressure off the edge as well. Um, is Montgomery fully healthy again now? Yeah, I mean it was his first week back after th- three weeks out with with a with a knee strain, but um, he certainly looked healthy when he was sort of carrying eight people on his back for ten yards um, on, on one third down play last week. Um, his ability to run the RPO is something which is which has come into the scheme of late, and that's worked very well for the Bears. A touchdown came off it. Several third down conversions came off him running the the RPO as a wildcat formation. Um, he is a former high school quarterback, and so he can throw the ball as well. So we haven't seen that from him yet, but don't be surprised if there is an RPO play this week that you see from a wildcat where. All of a sudden, if the coverage rolls up and tries to you know, commit to covering the run, that he sort of pulls and throws the ball as well. But um, David Montgomery, for those that don't follow the Bears and aren't really that dialed in on the NFL, as a, I'm going to say the E word, the elite word. He's an elite back. He really is that sort of level talent. He's someone who he can get a crease and turn it into a gash. So you've talked about the, uh, the Bears' threats there and who we should be worried about. Who on the Ravens worries you and why is it Lamar Jackson uh, actually it's not it's the tight end um, <laughs> excellent it's it, 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 it's it's I mean Lamar Jackson is Lamar Jackson I mean he's he's a threat to run but we're quite blessed I mean by the time that we get to play the Ravens we're going to have Akeem Hicks back Eddie Goldman is at full fitness um, Quinn is back and you know playing out of his skin Khalil Mack will be back we'll have Alec Ogletree back Roquan Smith I mean that's two sub four five linebackers um, that are there to sort of, you know, up front, the front seven, when we're healthy, is on a par with the very top defences in, in, you know, in the NFL. That's going to be the case, I think, by, by the time that we come to play the Ravens, is that those guys are going to be back and touch wood means that, that you know, that will mean that there's a lot more versatility of scheme that we're able to call, whereas, whereas we've been sort of having people rotate in and out of, you know, sort of people that were called up two weeks ago off the street, played outside linebacker last week for us um, and managed to get himself a, a taunting penalty which led to us losing the game. But that's by the by. I mean, that was a ridiculous call. That's a, that's a little pet peeve of mine. But in terms of the defence, like I say, up front front seven, the, 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 the front three 
are able to get pressure. But when you add in, you know, Robert Quinn and Khalil Mack to that front three with Akeem Hicks in there, it all of a sudden becomes much more difficult to deal with as a five up front. So that means, hopefully, you know, the tight end is going to have to be staying at least for chip releases, things like that. What I think the Ravens should do is attack Bilal Nichols if he's playing, number 98. So run at him. Um, single block him and get down to the linebackers because we're terrible at taking on blocks in space. We tend to run around blocks and not through them. So, you know, run at the linebackers, run at Bilal Nichols. That's a run away from Akeem Hicks, basically, is the is a way to get any joy in the run. In terms of passing, is keep moving Andrews about and, and then when it declares that it's a zone scheme, that's the time to start looking for him in that sort of intermediate zone. The, the middle of the field particularly is an area where we struggle to cover in zone. So that's the places. If I was the Ravens' offensive coordinator, that's where I'd be attacking. Defensive coordinator, that's where I'd be attacking the the Bears' uh, defense and, and attacking the offense. Is Sam Mustafa and Cody Whitehair are the weak links on the offensive line. So get your strongest rushes against those two. Slant them across the face so they're not going straight up, and they're going to struggle as a two on the interior. And that's where you know, potential pressure. Jason Peters is playing really, really well at left tackle. Larry Borum as a fifth round pick is an absolute revelation out of Mizzou. He's been playing absolutely lights out the last two games after coming back from a four week injury. Um, he had a high ankle sprain, but he's come back and he's looked better every week. So up front, we're, we're getting healthier, but um, Sam must have had his best game of the season last week and was still average. So when you, when you look at that, that's the point to attack. Um, Adam Robinson is if the ball isn't coming to him you'll, you'll get no effort from him at all and uh, Jimmy Graham is Jimmy Graham at this point you know he's, he's running on sort of 36, 37 year old legs and doesn't have the ability to separate that he'd once had and is less able to you know, sort of body people the way they used to be as a tight end Cole Komet is an athlete but doesn't understand route running or leverages sadly for the Bears but you know great news for the Ravens defence so it's going to be interesting from from the way you've you've set it up. What's your score prediction, and can you give us a a prediction for a, a, how you expect a particular player to do? Maybe. Well, I mean, the, the Ravens are already favoured five and a half. Um, I, I can only see that number going up, and the reason why I say that number going up is because Matt Nagy is still the head coach and having a lot of say on the offense, and th- that's sadly going to be the problem. Um, if the Bears' defense plays as aggressively and as strongly as they can, then it, we have a chance to keep the score respectable. If you gash us in the run early and you know, the safeties have to start rolling up and our coverage then starts getting picked apart with Andrews downfield and Lamar Jackson, you know, you know, Hollywood Brown, you know, people like that throwing it down the field, if that starts opening up, then it could be just a ridiculous score. I actually think we are going to get gashed in the run by the Ravens, uh, not only with Lamar Jackson, but also, you know, with the, the muscle hamster Freeman. Um, he, he's uh, He's been playing well for you, I think, uh, and certainly Le'Veon Bell being cut. So that uh, tells you their faith in him, I think, um, more than anything about Le'Veon Bell and maybe his mental faculty and ability to uh, retain a playbook. That's a moot point at this point because he's gone. But that's what I expect the the Ravens to be able to run on us, and then that's going to lead to you know play action opportunities downfield. I think it will be high twenties, low thirties for the Ravens, and I think it will be low to mid twenties for the Bears because we have really haven't pushed above that all season. Go on, Bellissima. I'm going to push you for an actual score. 
I'm going to say then 31-24. 31-24 Ravens, yeah. Yeah. But that's right, I'm getting the feeling, I mean, please tell me if I'm wrong, that you might not like Matt Nagy. <laughs> Is there anything you sort of want to get off your chest before we let you go? Is there a little rant you want to do, maybe clear your head a little bit? No, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's something that gets said every single week and it gets ignored every single week by the Bears' ownership. So at this point, it's a case of a miles ago, go outside and you know, howling, howl into a hurricane <laughs> because it's going to get about as much... <laughs> It's going to get about as far as anything that you know I could possibly say about the Bears on the internet is going to get. I mean, those that understand what they're seeing know that that Nagy at this point is on borrowed time. You know, we're at a four-game losing streak as it stands at the moment. I, I can see that running to a six-game losing streak, um, and you know, at the end of the season, I think Nagy will be gone. So I'll just wait for that, and then I shall have maybe have a little celebratory drink and maybe you know a little party a little dance maybe something like that but um yeah not because i want to see him lose his job but because i want to see him lose his job is there is there a coach out there you'd like to see come in we've got a guy in baltimore called greg roman that i think might be looking for another job in the offseason well i mean the, the kind of guys that, that i would actually like to see is out of uh old miss like lane kiffin i think could do a job everyone's talking about brian dable being the front runner already um, what he's done with Josh Allen in terms of development over the last three years has been excellent. The offense this year, though, I think has stagnated a little bit. So I'm not as high on Dayball as many as many others might be. But I think what we need to do is actually take a step higher uh, and say, look, we need a president of football, um, someone like an Elliot Wolf, former Packers um, director of player personnel, would be an excellent choice because he's he's run multiple schemes and offenses built around a quarterback and done it successfully on both offense and defense in terms of building squad and then from there it's a case of it's got to be someone just in field centric so why not go the Ohio State coach who you know who he's worked with and, and sort of bring him in as, as the, the uh, head coach of the Chicago Bears again a, a young and up and coming coach but one who's been able to show multiplicity in his offense in terms of making the most out of it and scheming players to get the best out of them Cool. Well, before we let you go, thank you for coming on. Where can we follow along? Where can we find all your various projects, works, Twitter handle, all that good stuff? Well, my YouTube channel is the same name, Bearlissimo, which is my own personal, but the Tape Never Lies Network. So www.thetapeneverliesnetwork.com. And that's a patron uh, site for the, the shows that I do because I actually have um, coaching uh, software where I pull up the All-22 and myself, a former uh, high school head coach, Hall of Famer and Draft Doctor Phil, the lead of our network, we pull apart the previous week, we look at you know, what worked, what didn't work, why, and we break it down. We really do break down the tape. It's a teaching exercise for our patrons that we do. But on Twitter, at Bearlissimo1, and um, Tape Never Lies Network, you'll find me there. Awesome, man. Well, thank you very much for coming on. We appreciate your time this evening, and yeah, good luck on Sunday, and we, we look forward to the game, and I'm sure we'll pick it up on Twitter with you after the point. I expect a bit of banter afterwards, so no doubt um, you'll be, you'll be uh, taking your victory dances after that, I think, and uh, we'll speak to you after the game. Yeah, I think you're way more confident than we are, but thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for, Thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank, thank you for having me. Cheers. And there goes Bullissimo to cover the upcoming Bears games. Okay, let's go round the room and get our score predictions and i am going to go first this week so i think what we're going to see 
is a bounce back for the Ravens. I'll be honest with you guys, I very nearly picked us to lose again. But I'm going to try and end the pod on a positive note. And I'm going to go for another close game. Another nail-biter. And I'm going to go 24-21 to the Ravens. And I'm going to go for Latavius Murray to score two touchdowns because he always scores two touchdowns on the Bears. And I'm getting grins from the rest of the guys here because Billy Smo did actually mention that to us after we'd finished recording and I thought I would steal it before everybody else (laughs) did. Ben, what have you got? Well, I'm going to be... Glass half empty, I think, this week. Um, oh, no. Feeling a bit down uh, and uh, and lacking in confidence going into this week. And uh, I just got another... I got a bad feeling going into Chicago that, I don't know, we're just going to show up and, and not show up and kind of get caught in a um, a little bit of a, a scrap uh, either way. And I think we might lose this one. Um, I think we might come close to winning. Uh, but I've just got a feeling that we'll lose it by a field goal, and it might be a case of maybe Lamar throwing a pick in the last two minutes and then them moving into field goal range and beating us 23-20. So that's what I'm going to go with, I'm afraid. This sounds horrible. It sounds like a horrible game. Yeah, that's awful. I'm already making other plans for Sunday, actually. <laughs> and also because James is going to be there, so I think that might um, put a, a hex on it. Shane what have you got oh sorry Ben sorry before I go to you Shane Ben is your player prop for Lamar to throw it into (laughs) yes it is in in, in the last two minutes of the game (laughs) gee right okay Shane please save this podcast bleak Um, it is it's tricky because you look back at the last three games and I think in 12 quarters, the Ravens have played maybe two good quarters if you're stretching it. Um, and yeah, it's it's tough. But I think the extra, the mini buy that they've had, the extra preparation, the fact that this team under Harbour and since Lamar has been quarterback doesn't lose twice in a row very often. Um, so I think they're going to be, he's going to get them into something like the right frame of mind, but I still do think it's going to be close. Um, and I actually had same score as Ben, but the other way around, I think it's 23, 20. And does it count as a prop? If I say, I think the Ravens win it in overtime. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll allow it. Yeah, cool. I think we used to say play a prop, but I've got yeah. my last two props. Cause I got Justin, Justin Houston's hundredth sack as well last week. So oh, look at you. Yeah. Flexing. Go for I, don't, it. I don't want this one. I'd, <laughs> I'd like it to not be an overtime. Yeah. Yeah. Ideally, Ian, uh, I'm I'm ready to be hurt again. I'm back on the yeah, bandwagon. Yeah. The Ravens under Lamar don't lose to NFC teams. They don't lose to rookie quarterbacks under Harbour. So uh, I'm going with the Ravens, twenty-seven to seventeen. So hopefully, Shane, who's on the Twitter, can have a, a quite relaxed fourth quarter. Uh, and for my player prop, they say never go full gas. Well, I'm going full gas. If I said to you number 63 for the Ravens, anyone know who that is? Colon Castillo. Excellent. Gas is on, on fire. So my player prop, and it might not happen this week, but it's going to happen. And I'm going to keep picking it until it does. 
He's going to catch a touchdown pass. Oh, wow. He's got very close in the end zone and been wide open a couple of times. I've, I've seen this on film. And it, he, he comes in when we're at the one-yard line, eligible receiver. He's wide open in the end zone. It's going to happen. Look at you, Ian, taking over mm-hmm. James's okay. job as the resident tape guy. Yeah, I was going to say, is he going to be eligible or is it going to be dolphin style? Where oh, he catches no, no, one, he's, runs he's, it in. But... No, he's... he's He's come in and he's wiped his shirt and done all that. He's he's fine. Oh, excellent. I'm really pleased with that. I'm, nice, I'm glad to see that whoever made the last prediction took my ridiculous plate prop and carried it on. Okay, guys, let's get out of here and do it. Before, before we go, guys, sorry. I did stick James's uh, score prediction in the oh, look at, in the show notes. You are, you are properly prepared. It's in the show notes. Wow. Oh, so we've got... 21-10 Ravens with Patrick Queen to have multiple sacks by James. Now, I might try and get hold of him and get him to give us his matchup to watch. If I do, I'm going to edit into the podcast here. And if nothing happened, then I couldn't get hold of him. You, okay, let's uh, get out Shane, of here. You better get that greetings peasant gif ready then. Uh, from the... <laughs> I'm, I'm really trying Sorry, to get guys. out of here. Let's leave. <laughs> so the london meet is quickly approaching as biggest meet up to yet i'm sure you've seen us all talk well all me all me talking about it on twitter you've heard it on the podcast please come and join us it's going to be a very good night we will be back next thursday the 25th of november where we're going to review the bears game catch up with any ravens news and preview the sunday night football game against the browns which ben will be attending if you'd like to be involved with the show, please email us at ukravenshow at gmail.com. Until next week, let's go Ravens. Thank you for listening to the UK Ravens podcast. This podcast is created, hosted and produced by members of the UK Ravens. Join the community on social media at UK Ravens and facebook.com forward slash UK Ravens. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the UK Ravens podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favourite podcasts. To be involved with the show, email us at ukravenshow at gmail.com. For more info, links, and to stay up to date, visit www.ukravens.com. It's Levy. Just watch out of this. Everybody come down this way. Pull the guard over the top.